Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Bill Ulrich, who is Customer Solutions Representative at Alemica. And today we're going to talk about the value of supply chain quality management in the aerospace and defense industry. Now, quality is one of those pillars of supply chain management, along with cost, service, and risk. And managing quality across you know, the extended supply chain is, is critically important um, especially in aerospace and defense, but it's been a, a challenge, you know, for many companies. So what have been some of the obstacles? Uh, how is technology helping companies uh, overcome those obstacles and, and streamline and automate their quality management processes? And, uh, you know, what is the value proposition of supply chain quality management? Well, those are some of the key questions we're going to address in today's episode. And uh, it's great to have Bill in the program to share his insights and perspective on this topic. So, Bill, welcome to the program. Thank you, Adrian. Great to talk to you and to the... Uh greater uh, supply chain audience out there, and hopefully uh, we'll have some things worthwhile for them to listen to. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, this is, this is one of those you know, topics that I think, you know, supply chain quality management, that um, is starting to get a little bit more attention, rightly so, uh, than it has in, in the past. So I think helping to educate the market on why this is important is, uh, uh, is one of our objectives here. Um, so, Bill, I mean, we've had uh, some of your colleagues on, uh, at Alemica on the program before. This is your first time, so like I always like to do whenever we bring in a new guest, uh, I'm always curious how people get involved with this crazy industry that we're in. And <laughs> So why don't you tell us briefly a little bit about your career path, how and why you got involved with supply chain logistics, and what your current role and responsibilities are there at Alemica. Sure. Um, been in the software and, and cloud services uh, business my entire career, and the majority of that has been in the uh, supply chain space. I spent uh, 10 or so years with the transportation management and uh, logistics vendors, uh, selling those solutions and working with those companies. And then I joined a small company here in Chicago that had developed uh, a solution specifically for supply chain quality that has now been um, acquired, of course, by Alemica and is now called Alemica Quality. So I tell people that I, I used to care about how the box got from point A to point B. Now I care about what's in the box. Um, but as, as you just said, uh, quality and logistics are two critical pieces of an effective supply chain strategy. Uh, and they really are tightly, uh, tightly interconnected. So that's coming in handy for me as a, a customer solutions representative here. I'm supporting the Alemica sales force in North America bringing these pieces together uh, for their clients. Uh, that's great, great background. And, and yeah, you're right. I mean, I think when you look at, like I said in my opening comments, you know, quality is really one of those pillars, you know, along with cost, service, and, and <clears throat> risk. And, and, and the three, I mean, the four are really interrelated and really depend, uh, depend on each other. I think, you know, rightly so, a lot of companies focus uh, a lot on cost and service, and that's where a lot of discussions take place. But obviously, if you have issues with quality, that's going to impact costs, that's going to impact service as well. Uh, that it's going to impact risk. And also all these things are really, you know, in, interrelated. And, and I think what we're seeing now is that, you know, as companies are trying to, you know, move up the maturity curve when it comes to really truly managing their end-to-end -end supply chain, they're starting to pay more attention to, you know, the quality, you know, dimension of all this. So, so why don't we start there? I mean, um, you know, why is supply chain quality management particularly important uh, for, uh, for, for companies today, especially in the aerospace and defense industry? Yeah, um, well, we'll be talking about that out in uh, Phoenix next week at the Aerospace and Defense uh, Conference uh, that's happening out there. Um, so this is something that's been at the top of our mind uh, as well. But there's a couple things that make that industry different from others. And one is 
that it's a highly regulated environment. Uh, it's one where failures generate headlines around the world and death and injury are very possible consequences of not doing things right from a design and a manufacturing perspective. Uh, in addition, you have industry standards like AS9100 and AS13004 that are widely accepted and expected by uh, their customers, the air carriers and, and uh, defense uh, departments around the world. Uh, these are things that they expect uh, their suppliers to be following and adhering to. But of course, at the same time, like every other industry, they're under pressure to lower costs and to innovate faster, to come out with the next version of the big thing uh, sooner. And to do that, many of them, as again, uh, across the board, have decided to rely on a more extended, diverse supply chain than they had in the past. The days when uh, you know, a, a car was manufactured from parts that came from a 50 mile, 50 mile radius are, are long gone. And now you have suppliers all over the world that uh, are really the biggest risk factor for a lot of manufacturers. In this space, in this industry, 70% of the value of their finished products comes from external sources. Uh, unlike uh, some, you know, in the food business where you know, it may be uh, a few commodities that are locally sourced that are getting processed, uh, in this industry, there's a lot of uh, diversity. You see it in things like the Boeing uh, Dreamliner. Uh, remember that when that came out, it was uh, uh, not quite a disaster, but it was a, a rocky launch due to the fact that they had outsourced so much of the design and the, the manufacturing uh, in order to get it done faster, in order to take advantage of cost. And now it's a solid product. It's well accepted in the industry. It's being heavily used by uh, the airlines, but it had uh, difficulties because of that. At the other end of the, of the extreme, again, Boeing <laughs> is the poster child right now, uh, the 737 MAX situation. That's a reflection of the extended life cycle of these products. Um, it's unusual for you to get in a car that's more than 10 or 15 years old, uh, but it's not unusual to get on a plane that's 30 years old uh, and fly. And so these products need to be refreshed and updated. And when you do that, uh, having access to the correct documentation, the correct data might allow you to avoid the problems that Boeing has had with their software updates that uh, cause these, these disasters. So uh, there, there's a lot of things that make it uh, supply chain quality a more critical concern for, for manufacturers in aerospace and defense and perhaps in, in other industries. No, a lot, a lot of great points there. You know, certainly as, as this industry has become much more outsourced, if you will, uh, much more, you know, fragmented, uh, much more global. Um, you know, the, the the need to synchronize and coordinate between so many different external parties. And then when you think about that, you know, then there's the data that has to flow between the different parties, the documents perhaps that need to flow between the different parties. Every party is trying to get more digital, if you will, or move up the digital transformation curve. Um, and, and like you said, I mean, um, you know, unfortunately you see the headlines where what happens when quality you know, falls by the wayside or when things, you know, kind of slip. I mean, it, it, if, if from a safety, you know, standpoint, particularly in, in aerospace, uh, you know, in, in defense is, is, is very critical. I remember when I worked at uh, Motorola many, many years ago, we supported mm -hmm. the automotive industry and, and part right. of our product that we supported was the airbag um, uh, circuitry. So obviously there was another safety, you know, component of, our, of an automobile. If that airbag failed to deploy in an accident, 
you know, that could mean the difference between someone, you know, being injured versus being killed or versus, you know, walking away, you know, uh, safely. So, uh, you know, we used to have printed in our boxes, quality means the world to us, uh, you know, back then. I still remember that. Um, so, yeah. Well, and that, yeah, go ahead. In that context, you know, of course, you have Takeda, uh, who recently, I think, went out of business because of, you know, airbags that were deploying improperly uh, and people were getting injured because of that. So uh, getting it to happen at the right time is one thing. Making sure it doesn't happen at the wrong time. Uh, is another set of considerations. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so I think I think I think it's clear, particularly if you pick up the newspaper these days and you're reading the stories about Boeing. Unfortunately, I think it, it kind of brings the message home how quality is coming to the forefront, and it needs to be in the forefront in, in this industry. So, so let's talk now. How, how have you know companies in the aerospace and defense industries traditionally managed you know supply chain quality management? I mean, what what issues or, or challenges have they have they faced? Well, one of the uh, Experts uh, that I, I uh, follow in this space uh, said that uh, aerospace companies use spreadsheets for about 85% of their quality data, which is uh, probably a higher percentage than some other industries. And he said, you know, that's like using a screwdriver as a crowbar. It'll work in the short term, but it's not a good long-term strategy. And it does put them behind uh, other industries in this space because of the regulation, because of the the low volume but high value of their products and that long uh, life cycle that we were talking about. So for all those reasons, quality systems that have been designed and implemented for mass production environments, you know, stamping out the, the cookies or the canned soup or the hats or whatever, uh, a million at a time, uh, don't fit necessarily uh, for this industry. And they have to have the ability to, to customize and do things uh, in a more uh, unique way than uh, than some of the other industries out there. Another big uh, issue is the security concerns. Um, obviously, if someone steals your uh, recipe for tomato soup, that could be bad from a competitive point of view. But if somebody gets the blueprints for uh, the new missile or the, uh, the new plane, that can have some serious, serious uh, implications. So that makes it difficult for that supplier collaboration we talked about earlier to take place, particularly at the design stage when things are being planned and ideas are being uh, uh, developed and discarded uh, as it goes along, you want to be able to, or you need to be able to collaborate closely with your suppliers there. But uh, if you don't have a highly secure method for doing that, and email is not a highly secure method, uh, then you're going to be uh, potentially running into problems. And so a lot of these companies have gone the route of trying to build portals that their suppliers can use to access the documents and the things that they need. But that gets them into the software business and building a plane is very different than building and, and maintaining software as Boeing <coughs> has found out. Um, so uh, how do they uh, deal with that connectivity issue? Um, they've got to keep their suppliers connected. They've got to be able to connect new suppliers quickly. And of course, those suppliers in the industry in general expect ever increasing amount of capability and functionality in those portals, which are tough to maintain. Um, so it's a tough combination for them. And that's why so many manual processes like the spreadsheets and uh, first article inspections, uh, PPAPs, APQP standards, um, certificates of compliance, tend to be handled manually uh, in this space. And um, that makes it very difficult for them to, 
to do that kind of effective collaboration uh, that uh, other industries are already well into uh, from a uh, supply chain point of view. You know, it never ceases to amaze me, you know, uh, how Excel continues to be probably the most, <laughs> the most deployed so supply chain, you know, technology, you know, out there. Yeah. And, Absolutely. and, you know, and just the, uh, like you said, I mean, uh, you know, sending an email with a bunch of people on the CC list and attaching a, an Excel spreadsheet is not necessarily the most efficient and, and effective way to collaborate and exchange information. And certainly at the other end, someone's going to have to take that data that's in the spreadsheet and then type it into some kind of computer system. So that introduces, you know, the opportunity for errors or data quality issues. It's a lot of wasted uh, labor and time, to, you know, to do that. So just a cascade of issues, you know, when you're right. thinking about, you know, the, the manual, you know, processes and, and all the friction in the system, if you will. And then when you talk about the portals, I mean, you've got a situation and then you've, you've got to support, you know, uh, tens, if not hundreds of portals that some mm -hmm. supplier may have to go to to kind of interact and, and that becomes untenable as well. So, yeah, right. I think a lot of a, a lot of issues there. I think I've always been, you know, when you look at this industry, like other industries that are, you know, global that have a, many different trading partners. I mean, I've always been a big proponent of, of supply chain operating networks or business networks. I mean, a lot of different terminology, you know, for the supplier networks, uh, because that really creates that ecosystem and allows everybody to be on that common platform, if you will, to be able to, you know, share data, share information and, and collaborate more efficiently, which kind of brings me to my next question. I mean, how is technology evolving now uh, to help companies in, in the industry to streamline and automate, you know, the quality process? I mean, what, and what capabilities are most important? Well, there's a couple key things that, that companies have to think about, uh, particularly in aerospace, but in general, you know, and the first is that there are a lot of tools out there, spreadsheets being one of them, uh, and many other quality systems. Uh, many of the ERP vendors have quality modules as part of their uh, package, uh, or they've acquired a, a quality system and they have been, you know, incorporated that to some degree. So the right tools are out there, uh, and the, the first step is to evaluate your needs and, and your requirements. Uh, as I said, what suits a mass production environment may not suit a uh, discrete manufacturing environment like uh, aerospace. Uh, it may be quite different than what the, the process industries uh, uh, need to have uh, for their streams of, of material. Uh, and then that will allow you to eliminate a lot of the human effort, the human uncertainty and error that gets introduced from people trying to um, uh, handle all this data manually. Uh, and uh, the second piece is uh, having a robust network, uh, either your own or an industry network that is available to allow you to connect uh, with your uh, suppliers and avoid the cost of building one-off integrations and having to do all of the ongoing maintenance and updating uh, of a portal that you're, you're trying to manage yourself. Once that's in place, then you have the ability now to start doing instant notifications of acceptance or rejection of shipments, of material quality issues, of non-conformances and corrective actions, and you start to get your suppliers uh, engaged to be able to um, respond effectively and their workload can go down significantly as well. And so that gives you a steady stream of, of real data that people can start to work with and use for their own evaluation and more sophisticated kind of analytics rather than just, you know, did the shipment arrive on time? Did the shipment arrive on time? Was the material within specification? What are the trends on these particular characteristics that are critical for our product? 
you know, we had one classic example where a company was receiving uh, a, a raw material in pellet form, uh, and the chemical composition of the pellets was fine, but the hardness of the pellets varied because you had different people running the machinery. And if the pellets were too hard, even though they were technically still within spec, uh, you would get uh, bad things happening for your own production operations. And they could literally have millions of dollars in lost production uh, as a result of it. So it's those kinds of things that you need to get a better handle on and using things like statistical process controls and ship to control standards uh, gives you a better way to uh, maintain that information once you have that consistent stream of data uh, available to you. And then you can use that for more effective scorecarding. Again, looking at suppliers and not just saying, well, did they get it to us on time? And was it uh, you know, a full order and was it a complete order? You can all start asking yourself, uh, are they up to date on all their certifications? Are they responsive to uh, corrective action requests? Uh, how well do they uh, respond? You know, those types of things start to be incorporated into scorecards that allow procurement and, and management to make decisions more effectively versus having three or four different systems that they have to refer to or people they have to talk to to get that kind of uh, full answer. Yeah, and a lot, of, a lot of great points there. And I think, you know, when you, when you think about, you know, um, the, the multiple tiers of companies that are involved in the supply chain, you know, really to, to ultimately achieve the uh, full benefits of everything you just talked about, you got to bring, you know, these multiple tiers of, of suppliers and trading partners, you, you got to get their buy-in and their uh, participation in, in all this. I mean, how do you, how do you ultimately get you know, these multiple tiers of suppliers and other external parties, you know, uh, to participate in, in this mm -hmm. digital transformation? Well, that's the heart of it. And you really hit the nail on the head there because uh, Alemica quality has been in use for a couple decades now. And uh, we don't have a lot of failures uh, to talk about, but we do have a few. And the number one cause of failure uh, over and above anything else is lack of supplier acceptance and participation. That is, that's it. Uh, and so that's the biggest hurdle that companies have to be prepared for and they have to be thinking about well before they uh, issue the purchase order to the software company or whatever uh, they're going to do. So there's a couple ways to avoid that hurdle. And, and the first off is to get procurement involved along with quality. So it can't just be a quality initiative. It has to have real buy-in and support from the buyers themselves because they're the ones who own the supplier relationships. Uh, they know uh, how to communicate with those folks. They're the ones that, of course, uh, are issuing the PO, so that's who the suppliers are going to be attentive to. But more importantly, the procurement uh, group understands the suppliers and knows which ones are the most in need of extra handholding, extra attention, which ingredients or components are of the uh, highest risk or, or uh, criticality and therefore you wanna pay more attention to them. At the same time, the 80-20 rule applies here, uh, which uh, it applies everywhere, right? 80% um, of uh, your materials come from 20% of your suppliers uh, in most cases. So you, of course you wanna focus on those 20%, but you also have to have a plan in place to get the 80% on board, and you have to have a way to do that that doesn't require expensive integrations and complex uh, six-month projects uh, to get it all up and running. Because that long tail of suppliers really has to be addressed um, uh, effectively 
or you're not going to get 100% participation. And that was my wife walking by there, in case you were wondering. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the second piece there would be breaking the project down into uh, chunks that suppliers can absorb uh, easily. Um, so once they get introduced to the portal or the platform or whatever you want to call it, and they're doing some basic things and they know how to navigate and they, they feel good with it, then you can add more complex things, you know, in, instead of just uh, <clears throat> fill out this form and uh, scan it and, and email it back to us, you know, you upload it into the portal and now, you know, we can do a real-time evaluation and we can give you a response. Now we're going to do a more complex uh, interactive uh, questionnaire type of thing that may be an audit form, it may be something else. It requires a little more effort on their part, but it's actually saving them a huge amount of time compared to trying to fill the thing out manually and have to go through all that. So you add increasing levels of functionality as the suppliers become comfortable uh, with the platform. And that's really where you get to some of these long-term benefits that aren't uh, initially available. And then the third piece, along with you know the procurement involvement and, and breaking into chunks, the third key thing would be having a clear set of well-documented benefits for the suppliers. Um, a lot of companies are very good at mapping out the ROI and saying, well, if uh, we have 100% participation from our suppliers, we're going to save $3 million a year. Okay, what are the suppliers going to get out of it? Um, hopefully, they'll get more purchase orders. That's what they're hoping for. But they also have to be able to recognize some benefits for themselves. You know, we're reducing the amount of manual entry that they're doing. We're reducing the chance. We're eliminating the chance that the shipment's going to get rejected because it doesn't meet the quality criteria, because that was validated before it ever left the dock. So guess what? You don't have to worry about getting that phone call on uh, Friday afternoon uh, saying we need uh, uh, an overnight shipment uh, to replace the, the bad crap you sent us. Um, there's a whole bunch of things like that. And again, the procurement group are the ones who have to sell it to the suppliers. You can't have somebody from quality they've never talked to calling them up and saying, yeah, we want you to do all this extra work and by the way, it might uh, be beneficial to you at some point. So those are really the three things that I would say people have to focus on in, in uh, planning this out. Great, great words of advice there. And, uh, you know, I think that the, you know, that last point in terms of, you, you know, what's in it for we, right? Uh, so it's, it's really, you know, a lot of times it's like, yeah, what's in it for me, right? It's, it's kind of that internal perspective in terms of what's the value proposition, what are we going to gain? But, right, to get that buy-in, you got to really position it in terms of here's how we're going to mutually, you know, benefit and, you know, get your suppliers to think from a we perspective and, and really think about the mutual benefits that, um, um, that, that they're going to extend across the, the supply chain in terms of, again, quality, cost, service, and, and, and risks, risk standpoint. Uh, so I think positioning it that way, you know, makes a lot of sense. I think partnering with procurement makes a lot of sense, you know, too, because they, like you said, they own the, you know, they, they own the relationship as well. So this really, truly really has to be a collaborative process not only internally between the different functional groups, um, but also externally as well in terms of getting you know the suppliers and, and other external parties you know involved as part of the you know positioning that that value proposition. And, and the benefits and the incentives vary on a case by case basis. You know, saying this is going to apply to all of our suppliers and they're all going to you know see a fantastic uh, reduction in manual effort may or may not apply. Somebody in uh, Thailand or Malaysia or uh, China may have a different set of criteria as to what's really beneficial than somebody in uh, North Dakota or uh, Illinois for that matter. One of the things we see all the time is uh, once that COA data becomes 
automated and digitized and it's flowing in, um, then uh, we can do more sophisticated trending and analysis and reporting back to the suppliers and saying to them, hey, you know, the, the grain hardness, uh, the hardness of, of the, of the uh, pellets is, is increasing for some reason, you know, from this factory maybe there's a change there that you need to look at, you know, and you can avoid that and you can avoid problems that could affect your other customers as well. Uh, or we're doing our own testing internally here. We do skip lot testing. So we're only doing every fifth shipment or 10th shipment or whatever, because we trust you. Uh, but we're seeing a little bit of a variation between what our test results are and what your test results are. Maybe you need to recalibrate uh, the, uh, the equipment in the, the lab in, uh, in Alabama or North Dakota or wherever. Um, so those kinds of things become an advantage for the suppliers, and of course, they become an advantage for uh, the customer, the manufacturer as well. Yeah, great, great, great insight there. And I think part of it is, I think you touched upon it, is you know the data analytics, um, you know the BI and data analytics that's now possible. You know right. when you have this this data and information in, in a in, in this type of a platform that you can apply, and the benefits, right, the insights that you get, not only uh, are beneficial to you, but can be shared, you know, as appropriate you know, with the, with the suppliers and trading partners to, you know, be proactive in terms of, of avoiding issues that, you know, it might be within tolerance right now, but if it's trending in the wrong direction, you want right. to be able to identify that and, you know, address it before it truly becomes a problem. Well, Bill, we're running short on, on time here. So I'm just going to go right to my, my last question. And it kind of gets back to kind of that value proposition, right? Because <laughs> before you can try to sell it externally, you all, sometimes you have to sell it internally, you, yep. you know, first. So, um, if I'm meeting with the CEO and, and CFO of an aerospace or a defense company, I mean, what's my business case to them for, for investing in supply chain quality, you know, management? I mean, what, what are the key benefits that, um, that they should expect? Well, this is uh, great because it gives me a chance to practice on my pitch for next week in, uh, in Arizona. So um, the fact is they're already investing in whether they know it or not. And that's one of the issues with quality is that it doesn't show up on uh, the reports in the same way that uh, inventory shows up as a, a cost factor uh, or other things that uh, the uh, management tends to focus on. You know, if you're receiving materials and you are spending a lot of time on the dock, evaluating the COAs, reviewing the quality characteristics, you can eliminate 70 to 80% of that uh, manual effort. If you are doing your internal lab tests because you don't trust your suppliers, which is not uncommon in any industry, um, you can use skip lot testing. Once you start having consistent data from them, you can look at it and say, are these guys really, uh, you know, our tests match their test results. We don't have to test every single batch or, or we can do sampling, selective sampling versus uh, trying to test everything. Uh, and you can reduce your lab costs significantly. Uh, of course, inventory, big, uh, big factor in everybody's uh, calculations. And if you aren't worried about getting a bad batch and having production issues associated with that, you don't have to carry as much safety stock anymore. Or you can uh, manage it on a regional basis versus an individual plant uh, and uh, manage the, the uh, inventory more effectively there. And finally, by getting better overall uh, quality and particularly supply chain quality, you are reducing risks and vulnerabilities that increase your insurance and, and recovery costs. Uh, when you don't have uh, the likelihood that a, uh, a supplier is going to provide a part that's not quite 
uh, within spec and you're going to try to put it into production anyway and suddenly something's going to break off or there's going to be a problem, your insurance company um, should be aware of that and they should be adjusting your, uh, your premiums accordingly when you have the documentation and the history to show them, yeah, we've got this under control and we're monitoring it. Um, then you know you need to uh, uh, look for savings in that area as well. So those are areas of savings, but there's also improvements and benefits from a top line perspective in terms of uh, you can innovate more effectively with your partners because you have a trusted, reliable, and effective platform for communicating on a design and uh, collaboration <clears throat> point of view. And you can move into new markets and new geographies more easily because you've got the documentation, you've got the records available in multiple languages, and they can be easily uh, translated uh, uh, automatically um, to branch out into new areas and to go after new opportunities without having to worry about, okay, how are we going to deal with the regulatory environment in Europe versus Asia versus North America? Uh, suddenly that becomes a lot less of a problem because you have your act together uh, and you've got that digital supply chain quality uh, information ready to go. So there's a couple things that I would say both on the cost side and the, and the revenue growth side that uh, hopefully will make uh, some, some people sit up and take notice uh, next week in uh, Glendale. No, you, you brought up a lot of great points, and I think you know it ultimately comes down or some of the you know just to briefly summarize. I mean, hey, can can you link it to the P and L and balance sheet in some ways, right? Because that's what right. the, the, these uh, the CEOs and CFOs you know focus on. And then you know you talked about risk. Well, you know the the failure to to uh, the, the extreme failure of a quality incident is ending up having your company on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, so that impacts your reputation. That impacts your brand shareholder uh, value and, and everything else as, as, as we've seen. So I think that's the ultimate, uh, um, you know, extreme case of, of, a, of a quality failure and what that can do to the, uh, to a company. Well, Bill, I mean, we could probably talk for, uh, for, for a whole day on all aspects of supply chain quality management and particularly as it relates to the aerospace and defense industry, but you provided some great insights and advice uh, on this topic. So again, thank you for making the time to be with us today. It was great. Uh, enjoyed the conversation, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, your next uh, podcast with whoever uh, you find as your next victim. So uh, <laughs> I look forward to that. Well, you you, you came out unscathed, uh, you know. So so hopefully we'll <laughs> we'll have you back at some point, and uh, we'd we'll love right. to touch base. And uh, I want to thank those of you that joined us. If you're watching this episode on demand, either at the Alemica website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Bill, you can post it there, and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank Definitely. you for watching and have a great uh, uh, have a great day and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Bye-bye.